0: Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Anybody have a a late night last night or everybody feeling fresh this morning? like some of y'all probably watched some college football and if you feel like me, it wasn't much to watch. And uh for either team I've kinda watched both games and uh it's uh it's gonna be a long year, y'all. A long year. All right. As we can turn, as we continue on this journey series of faith that we're talking about today, we uh, we sort of been talking about this this progression, um, and the title of my message is perseverance, and the struggle is real. Now, how many of you like this time of, time of year? How many of you like the fall time of year? So, pretty good, pretty good amount of people like this. What is it that you like about this time of year, though? Just, what is it? Oh, JT, you stole my message, man. Football, okay. He says football, what else? Cooler weather, the weather's starting to cool down, leaves will start changing pretty soon. But, um, the probably one thing that we love to do, what Dean said, yeah, shooting. If you like to hunt. I haven't made any preparations, Dean Hunting. Um, it's just been a, a crazy year. But for those of us who hunt, um, you know, a lot of you guys probably have already got your food plots ready and your little deer cameras out and everything else. Well, I'm just going to show up and be, hope one of them walks by because that's about my only shot this year because I've just been so busy. But JT hit the nail on the head when he talks about college football. I will tell you right now, I absolutely love college football. I can watch it on Thursday night. I don't care if it's Jacksonville State uh, Tech team playing. Did I lose myself? Pull it out. All right. that better? All right. We'll try it. All right. All right. But I will watch it. I know Tim Tim Williford, he loves it because we talk about it when we used to work together. And uh, we. Did, I just like college football. You know, this time of year, you know, a lot of preparation has happened as far as uh, these teams go, you know, a lot of high hopes. You know, Carolina, eh, mm-hmm. it, it's, we're rebuilding for, gosh, we've been re- we've been a long time, ain't we? <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Clemson, of course, has made the playoffs, I think, the last six years. Is that right, guys? Some of you Clemson fans, is that right, Caleb? Caleb's shaking his head. Well, that's phenomenal, but I want to share a story with you because I am a big Gamecock fan. If you are not from South Carolina, which I know some of you aren't, and some of us who are from South Carolina are not weird like Tyler and like North Carolina, who likes North Carolina, we in South Carolina. But you either you're either a Carolina Gamecock fan or you're a Clemson fan. It's pretty much it. Now I know Tanya's back there, she graduated from the University of Alabama, Birmingham, and no, it's not Alabama, Birmingham. It's a long joke with her. She's a University of Alabama alumni. So of course they don't even count. They're like they're like an NFL team that but I want to tell you a story that I think that both Carolina people and Clemson people will enjoy. Because, and if you have been a Carolina fan for a long time like I have been, I actually used to be a Clemson fan, believe it or not. Up to the point to where I was about, probably about nine years old, nine or ten years old. And so I was actually a Clemson fan when they won their first national title in 1981. And I still remember I think the guy's name was Homer Jordan, I think was a quarterback's name. So I really was a fan. Even at seven years old, I was really a Clemson fan. I really have always liked college football. Well in 1984 something changed for me. And it's my dad, he had a he had a fellow uh nationwide agent over here in uh Lancaster and by the name of Henry Johnson. And Henry got season tickets to the South Carolina football game. So that year, in 1984, he invited us to come and take those two tickets. He, he had four tickets, I believe, total, and um, and so he invited us to, to, to have the other two tickets. How many of you Gamecock fans remember that 1984 year? If you're a true fan, you know about that 1984 team. That's the year that I started going to all the home games with my dad. And it started a 35, 36 year tradition that we, we started getting season tickets after that. And it was really a good time for me and my dad to enjoy that together. But that 1984 team sort of, they sort of fooled me. They sort of wrote me in. It's almost like that, that 10 pound bass that you get on your line and you get it right there to the boat. And then he comes off, but you're going to sit there for the next eight hours and try to catch him. Well, that's sort of the way my life has been as a Gamecock fan for 30-something years, okay? Because in 1984, South Carolina started out the season 9-0. Nine wins, Zero losses. Now, I know some of you Clemson fame you yeah, didn't play nobody. Yeah, they actually did play people. They played Georgia that year. They played Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was a powerhouse back then. You had uh, Notre Dame that they beat that year. Um, who else was it, Mike? There was another big one that we won. We beat Clemson that year. Um, Florida State, that's it. Florida State. I'll never forget, longest game of my life. But it was it was phenomenal. Nine and oh, y'all, we climbed to number two in the nation. Never, never has that ever happened. Even since then, 30-something years later, I was still waiting. It's never happened again. They were nine and oh. And then they had a little crappy team called Navy who had three wins, five losses, and one tie. Because you could tie at that time, you'd have overtime. So, they go up to Navy. Well, of course, all us Carolina fans, we're in. Y'all don't realize, back in those days, that's when the National Championship was played in the Orange Bowl. And Mike can attest to this. He's probably, he probably was down there. They were throwing oranges on the field because we knew after we beat Florida State, that's it, we got it. We are going to the National Championship game. <clears throat> And this team could play. I tell you right now, this team could probably play with any of them. They could probably play with Alabama today, Clemson today. I'm telling you, that's how special this team was. They were absolutely phenomenal. But you got to play all your games, right? So they go to Navy, and not only do they get beat by Navy, they get spanked by Navy. They get beat 38 to 21 yeah go navy and you can say that because he's not a football fan and plus he was in the navy fat orange i'd hit him with it <laughs> but not only did navy beat him, but they spanked them you know the sad thing was this <clears throat> that day mike you remember what happened that day who was number one in the nation that's right, they lost whoever it was. that's right. don't make a It was Nebraska Nebraska was number one in the nation at the time, and they got beat by number six Oklahoma that day seventeen to seven Not that I'm really keeping track of you know not did that, that really traumatize me as a game fan, but they got beat seventeen to seven. Had South Carolina beat that crappy navy team, they'd have been number one in the nation for the first time ever. Unbelievable. They did recover the next week. They beat Clemson, <clears throat> went 10-1. and 1. Then they went and played Oklahoma State, and I know they lost that bowl game. So they ended up the year 10-2. and 2. But I want to share that story with you because something happened that I've heard. Now, I don't know Mike making... Mike, Mike, Mike probably shed some light on some of you other Gamecock fans, but from what I'm told is there was a lack of discipline on that 1984 team in that Navy game. They had prepared, they had prepared consistently every week. But that week they sort of took things lightly. They started looking ahead to Clemson, started looking ahead to possibly playing for a national title. And from what I understand, they those players had a good party. They had a good time that night before. And then they went into that game and some of them were even so sick and hung over that it's been told that they were even thrown up on the sideline during the game. Now, the lack of discipline that one day cost those players, it cost us, the fans, who had never been down this road with them before, and it cost the University of South Carolina a lot that day. And even to this day, We've had two legendary coaches in Lou Holtz and Steve Sprayer. And Steve Sprayer is probably about the closest we've come. But even then, to in my opinion, and I don't know if anybody else in here as a Carolina fan would agree, there's no team that's come close to that 1984 team. That's how special it was. Now, I'll tell you that story because as we continue on this journey series, a lot of our spiritual stories are like that 1984 South Carolina football team. And we'll get to that in a moment. You know, as we go through this these slides, we've been talking about, and for me, it's sort of like a progression. You know, if you go through life and you know, all of us have been through this where we were ignorant of sin, where we didn't have any, you know, sin that we didn't even know what sin was, didn't even care, didn't we just kind of, you know, what is sin? But then we become aware of sin, but we're sort of still indifferent to it. And then we come down and we we start being concerned about the possible effect of sin. I think that's when God starts to try and and His light starts to starts to slowly shed it on our life. And then number four happens, and that's a big step, right? Because we address sin by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Because we, and that's a big step, because what happens is right here is that you and God come into an agreement that sin is wrong and that you do have sin in your life. And the only way, the absolute only way to get free from it is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Now, naturally, what ends up happening when you accept Jesus Christ, the change happens. That Holy Spirit comes inside of your spirit, and he starts he starts wanting to live it out, doesn't he? You know, things change. Your, your perspective changes and life has a little bit different light doesn't it and so what ends up happening is naturally you increase your religious activity you know a lot of times you come in church and you want to be in church um you know you may want to get involved with the praise team nobody wants to get in touch with the nursery can i get amen on that good lord have mercy we have a time but Children's ministry—they want to, you know, greet. There's a lot of different avenues that we that we do. But anyway, you increase your religious activity. <clears throat> uh oh. Now we were we were cruising right along, and then something happens. Right, that holy discontent. No, something happens. Something happens that sort of knocks off the rocker. We'll we'll label number six as our Navy game. How about that? We'll label that as our Navy game. Something that just comes out of nowhere where we weren't expecting. And how can we have a discontent within ourselves when we're saved? We'll get that in a little bit. Brokenness is a, it is a a difficult time. It's a difficult time for you personally. It can be a difficult time for you spiritually, but it can be very necessary. Very, very necessary. Because what ends up happening is it leads us to surrender and submission to God. We allow God to, uh, we surrender that part of ourself. We submit it to Christ. And then what ends up happening is, I believe, is you, you have this profound love connection with God because you realize that Steve can't help you or Bill can help you, Jamie can't help you, that really you're in a position that really only God can help you and that you love God and he loves you so much that he'll walk you through that difficult time. And then even in number 10, where you see that extreme love for people, for me, it's like this. When you have that profound love connection with God, even those people who may have hurt you, it may be up in number six, you start to love those people regardless. Because you realize that they're not the enemy, that the enemy is the enemy. But they're just people. And hurt people tend to hurt people, right? Today, I want to talk to you guys about the importance of perseverance. First Timothy 6, if you want to turn there, First Timothy 6, we'll be in chapter um, chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, and then we'll skip over 13, we'll go to 14. And it says this, says, pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. If you skip over to verse 14, it says that you obey this command without wavering that no one can find fault with you. From now until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Now, if you look at that first part in, in 11, it says pursue. What you have to realize when you talk about scripture and you're wanting to apply scripture and you're wanting to hear from God, you have to be willing to hear what God is saying. You have to dissect what he's trying to tell you. If I tell Ronnie, I say, "Hey Ronnie, you need to try to try to have a righteous life and a godly life. You got to have faith, Ronnie. You got to have love. You got to have perseverance and gentleness." Ronnie says, "Okay, that's nice. Thank you, Mark. I got you." And you move on. It's like, "Well, that didn't help me." But the one word, the one word that sort of jump started this is this. It says, "Pursue." You have to pursue, which means there's an action, means there is a deliberate action. You have to be deliberate. You have to be intentional about pursuing those things, right? You have to do those things. perseverance is defined as the ability to keep going and keep doing something in spite of the obstacles. And read it again. Perseverance is the ability to keep doing something in spite of the obstacles. Now, how many of you face obstacles in life? How many of you have any obstacles that you face? Yeah. Yeah. Trust me, we all have obstacles. All of us. I could go to any one of you right now and you could tell me about an obstacle that you either just overcame. Or that you're you're getting ready to go through. For me, it's a it's a transition for us as a family. You know, Julia's a a senior in school. She's getting ready to gear it up for colleges. She's applying to colleges and everything else. And I'm thinking, y'all know how much college to be is? How many of y'all know how much? That's a lot of money. That's a lot. Of, it's a lot of money. That's an obstacle. <laughs> That's a big obstacle. But as soon as we get clear that obstacle, another obstacle will come in its way. That's just, that's just life. Those things that may tend to slow us down can and should make you stronger, right? Now, Jamel, you, you, you were a college football player. Now, did you just show up on Saturday with pads and, you know, no preparation? You just, I mean, you're a big guy. I mean, you know, you could probably strap on him right now and go out there and Hit somebody, couldn't you? I mean, there's nothing to it, right? I mean, I mean did, you didn't have to run laps or lift any weights or nothing. Surely, get as big as you are, I mean, you you probably lifted little weights any time, right? Did you run any laps? Did you hit anything? Yeah. So, if you take that illustration, those were probably obstacles. That the way nobody probably likes to run stairs. Nobody likes the obstacles. But it prepares you for game day, doesn't it? You see where I'm going with this? Can you kind of see a progression that those two obstacles that you have are preparing you? You know, one thing we've had in, in leadership, we've, <laughs> we've had the uh, conversation that, we, uh, that people who get saved, you know, we had this little thing about baptism. We ought to warn you. We really ought to warn you. We ought to ring the bell because it's about to get on. It's going, it's going to get serious. It's going to get difficult for you. When, when you give your life to Christ, I'm telling you, you're up for some challenges. But I will tell you what is worth the fight. It is absolutely worth the fight. Let me tell you some steps, though, that the enemy tries to do. The enemy is going to try to distract you. He's going to offer you counterfeits. He's probably going to make you question your salvation your relationship with the Lord. He's going to try to steal your joy that the Lord gave you. He's going to try to kill your motivation to share with others the work that God has done in your life and is doing in your life. And he's going to try his best to destroy your testimony. Because he wants to get you to doubt. Because if you question, if you start questioning yourself and what God has done for you, then it sort of gets off track. And unfortunately, I hate to say it, a lot of times our families and the ones that are closest to us can be the loudest voice, right? They can be the ones that get us off track. I want to warn you, though, and I want to, I want to admonish, please listen, these people are not the enemy. Sometimes it's just like Christ said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But never become so naive that you don't think that it could be you in that position as well. Never think that you can't be that distraction or that obstacle as well. Because I, I have to admit, I have been. I have been that out of school in in some people's life. And for that, what you have to do, you have to, first, you have to get convicted by God. You got to straighten out with God, but then you better go straighten out with the person. But I'll tell you, the biggest arena that I see and that we see that the enemy really loves to do this in is not the church. Now, he does attack in the church. We, of course, we know that. It's not necessarily in your workplace or your friend's house. So where else is it that he gets the most bang for his buck? Because being in business, I sort of look at things in a different light as far as whether something's profitable. If you own your own business, the goal of business is not making money, right? Because if it takes you $100, if you have to pay out $100 just to make $5, you're not gonna last very long because you're ninety five dollars in the hole, right? But the goal of a business is to what? That's right, make a profit. You have to make a profit, plain and simple. If you're gonna spend a hundred dollars, you wanna make a thousand dollars. So you wanna make a profit. Well, Satan and I don't want to give him any more credit on what he's what he's due, but I hate to say it, but he's a pretty good businessman. And you me tell you why. It's because he doesn't worry about you at your workplace. He does some, some, some silly stuff at work. You know, when I think about work, sometimes he does things in the church to kind of get you off. And well, I just not going to go back to that church anymore. They hurt my feelings. But where he really gets his bang for his buck is in our homes. He gets in our families, and more importantly. It gets in our marriages, you know we see the struggle that are in families and in marriages. That's the whole reason why we started grace marriage because we wanted to be intentional about that struggle. You know a lot of us, we've experienced that struggle, and for us as leaders, our heart breaks when we see you guys in that struggle. You have to be intentional, just like we talked about pursuing righteousness, pursuing a God life along with faith, love, and perseverance and gentleness. You have to be intentional, you have to be deliberate, and you have to be aware of the attack that the enemy is trying to tear our families apart. Now, I'll give you a little history lesson. How many of you like history? Y'all like history? Okay. Well, I sort of like history. In and I in a sort of look in things, and this is where I want to ask you to to see with your spiritual eyes, because back in history, back in slavery days, landowners would do something to families of the slaves to keep them weak. You see what would happen is when a when a when a landowner would own would own his slaves, of course that slave would have a family, right? So, you know, you got a mom and you've got a dad. And then, of course, you know, naturally they have children. So as that family unit, the longer they stayed together, the stronger they became. So what would happen was back in slavery days, because see, a landowner didn't want his slaves realizing that he was strong. So what they would do... How many of you ever heard of the slave trade where you would go and sell slaves? Well, what they would do is they take that man, say if a man and he had a wife, and say he had two children, he would take that man and he put him on an auctioning block. And he'd go sell that slave to another landowner far away. And what he would do is he would take that male out of that home and what would end up happening ultimately is that lady and those children, if daddy's not there, who are they going to rely on? They're going to rely on the landowner, right? Because that's all they've got. Do you see, can you see what your spiritual eyes, what's going on with our families today? If there's a divorce, in a family, how many times is it that the man leaves the family? Probably 99.9% of the time, probably the time, a lot of times. A lot of the times, the male leaves the home, the wife stays at the home with the children. The males moved out. So my question to you, spiritually speaking, now we all should agree slavery is wrong, right? That was, I don't ever believe that was God's intention. But do you see slavery in our marriages today, in our families today? Can you see it with your eyes? That when men are removed from that, it's like slavery all over. It devastates the family. It absolutely devastates the family. This journey of faith that we're on, our prayer, our prayer as leaders is that it makes you wise to what the enemy's trying. You all need to realize this. You will all have a Navy game. How many of you have had a Navy game in your life? Well, if you haven't, guess what? You'll get one. You'll get a Navy game. That's just the truth. Perseverance at that point in time is huge. I think the sad part for me is that when we had that Navy game, is that the enemy comes, he just sort of knocks us off track, doesn't he? And sometimes, man, we can try our best to pour God's word into you. We can try our best as leaders to help you and your Christian friends. But a lot of times it knocks you off track. And sometimes it takes some of you years to get back on track. I want to share something with you. And it's going to be an exodus. Exodus. It's going to be in Exodus seventeen eight through 16. It says, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the mountaintop of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Look what happened though. Uh-oh, something happens. Moses' arms soon become so tired that he can no longer hold them up. It's a bad situation, right? Uh-oh, we see a Navy game happening. We see a Navy game about to, about to happen. But what happened, so Aaron and her found a stone for him to sit on. Not only did they help him in that way, then they stood on each side of moses holding up his hands so his hands held steady until sunset as a result joshua overwhelmed the the army of amalek in the battle after the victory the lord instructed moses write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to joshua i will erase the memory of amalek from under heaven You know, Bill talked about last week and did a great job about forgiveness. The thing that's really stuck out with me with Bill's message was this, is when he says, when we choose not to forgive, you're no longer a victim at that point, but you're what? That's right. You're a volunteer. You're a volunteer. None of us. And I don't believe God ever designed. Our spiritual walk in our spiritual life. To do it alone. I'll tell you that right now. I've had friends of mine. That were foolish enough to think. Well I don't need the local church. I don't need you. I don't need anybody else pouring into my life. Me and God we like peas and carrots. And we'll get through this alone. Yeah. God will get you through it alone. But let me tell you something. If Moses. Can speak to God. And see God. He wasn't so foolish to think he could do it alone. Did he? He had Aaron and her didn't he? Now, the one thing that I will warn you about is this. Is you better make sure who your Aaron and your hurry is. Because here's the deal. You're going to have a Navy game, folks. Can't help it. Like to pray you through it. Ain't going to happen. You're going to have to endure it. You're going to find yourself face to face with a situation that only God can get you through. And the moment that your hands start to come down, you say, God, I'm tired. I'm tired. If you don't have people on your side, if you don't have an Aaron and her feeding you truth, feeding you God's word, helping you hold your hands up to God in that situation, in that Navy game, if they're not doing this, folks, they're doing this. And not only are they doing this, they're doing this. If you think about Moses, how long did it take them to get to the promised land? Anyone? Forty years. Do you think that was God's plan? Mm, I don't. <laughs> He'll get you to the promised land. But I do believe you can delay it. You have to be able to surround yourself with Aaron and hers who are going to give you truth, who are going to love you enough to give you truth, who love you enough to stand the course and stay the course and not get your hands down and get your focus. Because what ends up happening is, is when you take your hands down, when you're tired. And if you look over there and you say, man, I'm tired. And if you ain't got no Aaron and her, that person's going to say, yeah, let's get out of here. Man, this this stuff's too hard. Your marriage ain't worth it. He's a turd anyway. You know, oh, he's not worth it. Don't fight for your marriage. You know, my kids turned out all right. You know, I turned out all right. I, my parents were divorced. Don't worry about it. We'll be good. Man, That's that's a lie from hell. That was never God's design for our families. Never, 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 never. You're just repeating slavery and how foolish that is. That's just foolish. I'm telling you, please, please beware of the Aaron and hers. Besides, you, A lot of times we know the truth. A lot of times we just don't want to, we don't want to do the work because we know it's a long road. It's a very long road, right? Lastly, I want to share this with you. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said, they have raised their, their fists against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with the Amalek generation after generation. Now, let me tell you something. When you get through this time, when you get through your Navy game, and you got that, you got that Aaron and that Her on your side, there's going to be a time when you can build... I wouldn't say an altar, but a memorial. And what'll happen is you'll go back to that time in your life and you'll say, man, I don't know how in the world I got through this thing, but God got me through it. And if he got me through that, the next obstacle that comes, he can get me through it because He's he's been faithful to me. I pray, my prayer today is that when you've had that Navy game, whether it's been something that has been physical, like a physical illness, a spiritual illness, a relationship that's gone wrong. And I know, and I don't want to minimize, you know, hurt in families and anything else. But folks, we're here to help you with your families if you need help. You know, if you're having marital problems, if you're having children problems, and we don't have the answers, and guess what? You're still going to have to do the work. But you have a lot of experience and people who love you. And we're we're going to try our best to be that Aaron, that her and give you truth. But it's really up to you to do the work. And if you're willing to do the work, I assure you, one day you'll be able to build that memorial to the Lord. And lastly, perseverance. If you're not willing to persevere and do it God's way. Perseverance, I promise you, leads us to redemption. It'll lead you to redemption every time, but you got to got to try you got to keep pushing don't please, don't become a volunteer, like Bill was talking about last week. make a choice, make a choice then no matter what, you're going to raise that staff to the Lord. You got to realize guys, on your side. Look to your left and look to your right. Be very careful because you're not going to be so fortunate that they're going to say, oh, there's her. Oh, there's Aaron. Nah, maybe Belzebub or, you know, you got to be careful. You have to be careful. If those people on your side is not giving you God's truth from his word don't listen to them. don't listen to them. because I hate to tell you but their motives are probably selfish because misery loves what that's right loves company hurt people hurt people father I thank you I thank you for your grace, Lord, that you have bestowed upon us. Father, I thank you for your word that is so true. Lord, I know that we'll all have that Navy game. It's just a matter of time if we haven't already had it. But God, I pray today against evil. I pray you bind Satan up. And Father, I ask... Lord, that you would do that work in each one of our lives to help us get free. And Lord, that it wouldn't take us years. Lord, that you would bring those Aaron and that you bring those herds beside us to, to give us truth, to give us your strength, to hold up our hands to you when we can't do it. God, I thank you for allowing us to rely on you. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your presence. Lord, there's so many, there's a wide variety of People that are here today, and each one of us are going through different things, whether it's health related, financially related, relationally related. Um, God, we just lift that up to you, and God, we just pray in Jesus' name that you would do the work that you want done in our life, that we would persevere, that we would run the good race, that we would fight the good fight for the true faith, Father, that we would pursue righteousness, that God, that we would pursue godly living. That we would pursue our faith in you, that we would pursue love, that we would have that perseverance, and that we, we that we would pursue gentleness. Father, thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen.